Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And there is space to run into, and this is Lewis Miley, and this is John Linton! It's a thumper! And it means the world to Newcastle United! They are desperate to stay in this competition! It's chipped in towards the penalty spot to Mori, and then it comes into the six-yard box, and Christian Pulisic tucks it home, and Milan have a lifeline. Oh, St. James's Park, there's not many better atmospheres in world football. It was rocking when the Brazilian Joe Linton put Newcastle in front. Sadly, it wasn't meant to be. They needed to win. In the end, they lost 2-1 to AC Milan to crash out of the Champions League. One man that was covering all the action for Stan Sport was our very own Mark Bosnich, and he joins us. Hello, Bozza. Good morning, George. How are you? Very well. It looked like there was a bit of a miracle about to happen with Newcastle. All the injuries they had, they go up 1-0 against AC Milan. The result was going the right way in the other game, but in the end, uh, just couldn't get the job done. No, it was unbelievable. Um, and I think, I think you know, I'm think i quite right in saying here, a television first in Australia in terms of having simultaneous games on all at the same time, the excitement was palpable. And you know what? Next season, for the first time in 30 years, uh, in the Champions League and the other European competitions, we're going to go... From eight groups of four, we're going to go to basically four groups of nine. So uh, we were left with something this morning. And like yep. you said, uh, Newcastle for so long, and considering Dortmund in the other game went ahead, which would have put Newcastle uh, into the knockout stages for the first time in over 20 years, really had it all in front of them. Took, took, took the lead against AC Milan, who had a tough time recently in Italy. Um, but fair play to Stefan Pioli and the AC Milan boys because he made some changes they came back and scored two goals. During that time, PSG, Dortmund, which should have been about 3-3 by that stage, uh, PSG had equalised. So it was still all to play for. So it, it really went down to the wire. And in the end, if Dortmund had scored, AC Milan would have went through. But it, that didn't occur. So PSG for the second season, that's Paris Saint-Germain, uh, for the second season running, uh, will finish second in the group and now could meet one of the real big hitters because all the teams that finish second... Are, Unless it's a team from your own country, which there's no other team from France, uh, which you can't meet each other if it's a team from the same country, they will meet either Real Madrid, a Manchester City, a Bayern Munich, an Arsenal, any of these teams. So uh, it, it was really amazing. And like I said, having that football zone that we had on Stan Sports, going from game to game when you know when you know things were were, were really like on a knife edge, including Group H as well because the winner out of Shakhtar Donetsk and Porto was going to go through along with Barcelona was amazing. It was brilliant. And uh, just on Newcastle, Bozza, I mean, they're very unlucky not to go through. I mean, a poor decision yeah. at PSG a few weeks ago has cost them. But 
The fact they've now got no European football for the rest of the year, once the disappointment of not going through subsides, is it actually going to be a good thing for Eddie Howe and their bid to get back into the Champions League next year? Very good question, Jules. I actually brought this up with one of our experts, uh, Andy Brassel, uh, before the game, and he tended to agree with me, and I tend to agree with you as well. Look, they're still in the League Cup. They've got the quarterfinals of the League Cup coming up uh, next week against Chelsea away from home, but they've had a an unbelievable amount of injuries. And I think a lot of it's to do with the fact that they're playing three intensive games per week that have been pretty much since the start of the season. And they haven't really had the experience of doing that, like I said, for for over two decades. So Eddie Howe hasn't had that experience before. So I think ultimately, yes. Um, I was speaking to a good friend of ours, Adam Peacock, who's a massive Newcastle United Is he okay? Who basically... uh, Yeah, he'll be okay. But he was saying the same. He said, look, if we don't qualify for the knockout stages of the... Champions League, I'd rather us not go into the Europa because it'll, it'll be less games for us. Um, but, uh, you know, we talk about bad spells. You know, Tottenham just went through one. You do over a long season. You have bad spells when things go against you. There's injuries, like you mentioned, suspensions. Newcastle have lost three straight now. So, like I said, they've got Chelsea next week in the quarterfinals of the League Cup. This weekend, they've got Fulham in the Premier League. I actually think it will be a blessing in disguise uh, that, that basically they're going into the new year depending how they go in the League Cup, the FA Cup will start as well, but they'll be able to concentrate for a good time a whole week without having to play in the middle of the week and to try to get back into that top four so they can qualify for the Champions League next season. Just on the the next stage, obviously the draw I think is on Monday. All the big guns are through, Bayern Munich, Arsenal, Manchester City, Real Madrid, Barcelona, all the big guns. Right now, if you had to pick a winner, who would it be? Right now, uh, I, I really... I couldn't go past a Manchester City or I would say a Bayern Munich, uh, the, the way things have panned out in the groups. Bayern haven't been their imperious best, like they're normally on the group stages, but as one of their supporters said to me the other day, you know, for the last three seasons we've been knocked out in the quarterfinals, but we've started the groups, you know, absolutely amazing. So they haven't been so imperious. Arsenal will be a dark horse. Um, no one expected them to get through. Obviously, Real Madrid, you can never count out. And watch out as well for Real Sociedad. Mm. Um, they're an average team, you have to say, but some of their stats for the, for the group stage, which they're in a group which was, wasn't, wasn't particularly easy, um, but were right up there at the very best. So uh, all the Spanish teams, there's four Spanish teams that are qualified, all in first place. Um, PSG will be a team the likes of Barcelona, Man City, like I said, Atletico Madrid, Real Sociedad, Real Madrid, Arsenal, or Bayern, they will not want to meet PSG. Um, so PSG will be thinking to themselves as well, you know, we've got nothing to lose here because a lot of teams will be thinking to ourselves, it's not quite the Paris that we think we are, but they're a team that is also capable. Right now, I've had to pick two, I would say Bayern Munich and Manchester City. Speaking to Mark Bosic from Stan Sport about the Champions League. Now, one of the big guns in the past has been Manchester United. Bottom of the group, 15 goals conceded. So no European football for the rest of the season. They go to Liverpool in the Premier League this week. They lost 7-0 at Anfield last year when they were a pretty decent team. Where's this going to end for Eric Ten Hag? I mean, will will he he see the season out? Well, I think the biggest indication you're going to have so, so Jim Radcliffe, um, who's, who's the uh, uh, billionaire who owns other clubs around the world, uh, he's bought a 25% stake in Manchester United just recently. A long, drawn-out process with a Sheikh uh, Jazim from Qatar. So they settled the Glazers, the owners, on giving him 25% of, uh, of the ownership under the condition from, from Sir Jim Radcliffe that he gets to control the football department. 
So, as we all know, in any walk of life, when somebody new comes in, a lot of times they want to have a fresh start. The big thing I think will be, the big indicator will be, will they back Eric Ten Hag in January with funds to go and get more players? Because they've got a lot of injuries at the moment and they need more players. If they do, then I think Eric Ten Hag should be okay. If they do not, then I believe his days are numbered. The one thing that can circumvent all that is they continue to lose. Um, you know, lost to Bournemouth on the weekend at home, 3-0. And last night, it was actually a better performance, to be fair to them. Uh, but they were still beaten. It was quite obvious to anyone who was watching. They are not in that league anymore. Those teams I mentioned before about Real Madrid and, and Manchester City and, and, and Bayern, they are not in that league. And, you know, my co-commentator, Craig Foster, mentioned the fact, you know, they, you know, they were in for Harry Kane. But see, the players of that ilk... I'm not looking to go to Manchester United right this moment. There was a time during my time where you wanted to go to Manchester United because you pretty much knew it, you were going to be in the race for the major trophies. At this moment in time, you go to Manchester United, you know you're battling to get into the top four. And if you're lucky, you might win a domestic trophy, an FA Cup, a League Cup, or possibly Europa League, but not, too, not the two big ones, the Champions League or the Premier League title. So very interesting times. Like I said, they've got a lot of injuries. Uh, Bruno Fernandes is out suspended this week. Harry Kane came off at half-time, as did Luke Shaw, adding to all the rest of the injuries. He's had problems, obviously, we know 12 months ago with Cristiano Ronaldo. He's had another personal problem with Jaden Sancho and with Rafael Varane. So tough times at the moment. But it must be said, if you look at someone like Mikel Arteta, first two seasons, eighth each season. Third season, fifth. Mm. Then last season, second. Jurgen Klopp had a similar start. You know, when he went to Liverpool, I think it was sixth and fourth and fourth. So if you've got the patience and you can do it, no, I, I'm sick of basically Manchester United since Sir Alex retired changing their manager every two or three seasons. I would like them to stick through it. But once again, you keep losing game after game. You leave the powers that be with no choice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weekly story, Manchester United at the moment. Uh, it is it's unbelievable watching on for a far now. Aston Villa have not looked this good since Mark Bosnich was between the posts. <laughs> now, Bozza, can can they do it? I mean, Leicester did it. Man City's not as good as they were. Yep. Is it possible? Is it possible Aston Villa yes, can win the is. Premier League? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And you're right. Um, the other two times that we had a feeling like this at Aston Villa was uh, uh, back in 98-99 where we went the first, I think it was the first 15 games or so, or 16 games undefeated. And the other time was in the inaugural season of the Premier League, 1992-93. And we beat Manchester United at home 1-0. And we were in the title race. Uh, 1998-99, we fell away. But 1992-93, we ended up second. And we're in a three-way title race with Norwich and with Manchester United. And, of course, they can. And they've got the added, a couple of advantages. One, they're in the Europa Conference League. That's the third-tier European competition, which you can afford to play... Aston Villa can anyway, to afford to play, you know, a second string side pretty much up until the quarterfinals. The other big thing is that, just like Leicester, no one's going to expect them to win the title. Even the most ardent Aston Villa fans at the start of the season were, you know, were saying, OK, top four, that's, that's, you know, that is really the goal, and hopefully a, a domestic trophy or maybe the Europa Conference League. And they're sitting pretty right this moment in time, uh, two points off the lead, uh, coming up to the halfway point. And like you mentioned, I mean, their home form has been outstanding. And they need to sort out their away form, no doubt about that. But their home form, they've just broken an Aston Villa record of 15 straight home victories. And when you beat Manchester City and Arsenal in the same week, I, I think there's, there's only one answer to the original question, is that, of course, they're title challengers. That will give them so much confidence. They've got a very good side. They've got one of the best goalkeepers in the world, Amy Martinez. They've got the, the, the Douglas Louise in midfield, Ollie Watkins up front. 
and a host of other players who are really playing well. And, of course, the manager, Eli Emery, since he's taken over, in 2023, there's only been Pep Guardiola's Manchester City who have got more points than them. So I think that they're a real outside chance. He's doing a great job, and they're great to watch as well, uh, Villa, the football yeah. they play. What about for Graham Arnold? It been a, it's a nervous week. Matty Ryan, fractured cheekbone, hamstring for Matty yeah. Leckie, and Jamie McLaren's revealed he's been battling with an ankle injury. And we've got less than a month to go to the Asian Cup. It, it, on Matty Ryan, is he, is he going to be okay? Is he, is he going to make the tournament? Well, I hope so. I, I haven't managed to speak to him, but those who have spoken to him uh, uh, have, uh, have said to me that he, he still should be okay. But it's a little bit of a concern. Um, you mentioned the other two injuries as well. I'm a little bit worried about the three of them. I think Jamie McLaren should be okay, but Matthew Leckie uh, with his hamstring, because Matthew Leckie is a speedster, and people who have had hamstrings and are you know rely on their pace a lot in their sport know that it's, it's you know it can take two or three weeks just to sort of that you're walking and running okay. And you get to that point where you're still thinking about it in the game. So you're still not quite 100%, even though you've come back. So he'll have a task on his hands. But we're one of the favourites for the Asian Cup. Uh, there's no doubt about that. The confidence we'll take in from, uh, from the 2022 World Cup will be immense. Obviously, the other big hitters, South Korea, Iran and Japan, will, will also uh, be you know, in, in the mix in terms of who can win it. There'll always be an outside bet. Um, you know, you, you're talking about teams like Qatar, maybe Saudi Arabia. United Arab Emirates as well. But uh, Graham Arnold's got a, a good squad. And one of the things that he'd done when he first took over way back when was to actually blood a lot of other players so he got a little bit more depth to the squad. So I'm sure he'll adjust. I mean, last time, four years ago, he was unfortunate with injuries as well. And Martin Boyle had to pull out right on the eve uh, when they went out uh, in, in the quarterfinals. But uh, I, I really believe that, uh, that the cohesion that they've developed uh, over this time with the qualification of the World Cup, which was very difficult, and then the World Cup will stand them in good stead. And I still think they should be able to make a, a minimum of the quarterfinals. And then after, after that, when you get to the quarterfinals in, in terms of one of the big teams in any competition, you've always got a chance to win it. So fingers crossed for the injured players. But out of the three, I think Matthew Leckie would be the biggest worry. So Mitch Langerak's not on the scene at the moment. So if Matt Ryan can't play, whether it's first game, second game, or, or, or whatever it is. Who would be your first choice to stand in? Well, was, there's a young boy whose name eludes me right now this moment in time uh, from Adelaide. Oh, Joe uh, Gauchy. Yeah. That's it, Joe Gauchy, um, who I've watched quite a few times. He's an excellent prospect. Um, uh, there's also um, the, the boy who used to be at Manchester City, who was the Olympic goalkeeper. Tommy Glover. Um, who, yep. That's it, Tommy Glover. You got it. You got it. Thank you very much. Very early in the morning for me. <laughs> um, so there's, Australia have always produced world-class goalkeepers. And I'm not just saying that because I was a goalkeeper, but they have. Well, part of it. Um, you know, that's why you're saying. The influence of, yeah, but the, no, the influence of hand sports over here, if you, if you look back way back, you know, all the way back, you know, to Ron Corey, um, people like this, Greg Woodhouse, uh, Alan Maher, you know, uh, Terry Greedy, uh, the, the list goes on. So uh, it, we'll, we'll be okay in that department. Just finally, Boz, uh, Asian Champions League. The Wanderers won it back in 2014. Since then, 22 Australian teams have attempted the Champions League. Only three have made it through to the knockout stage. Why are we struggling so much in the Asian Champions League? Well, there's there's a whole plethora of reasons, but I'll start with the most obvious one, which is that the salary cut. As I said back then, that was the opportunity when the Wanderers won back in 2014, which was an amazing victory, and we're beginning to realise how amazing that was when the iron was hot and we had to pounce to say, right, look, just get rid of the salary cap because at least it gives us an opportunity to compete, in, okay, still in a small way in comparison to some of the big hitters in Asia, 
Um, but it, it still gives us an opportunity to, to compete. And obviously, it's been challenging times in the A League uh, the, the last what the last two and a half seasons. Uh, you've seen a you know a, a drop in pretty much every metric that that they normally have. And look, listen, on the other side, on the other side of the coin, we've developed really some really good young players and started to sell them off. But when you sort of start to sort of because of whatever reason go towards the development league type of side, you're going to have this uh, you're going to have this dip because here in, in Australia. Uh, the Australian sporting public loves their winners, and loves teams that have got a chance to to win things, and you know, and they know that. And also remember as well, they know in terms of the fact that you know, when it comes to Matildas, like we saw the record viewers and record crowds at a World Cup, and also, like I said, they had a you know chance of winning that. The Socceroos done really, really well. They go to watch the AFL. They know that's the best competition in the world. The rugby league is the best competition in the world. The cricket teams are amongst the best teams in the world in terms of their formats of cricket, both in test cricket and 50-over cricket. And right now at club level, um, there, there has been a significant dip. And, and a lot of that, like I said, in my opinion, is to do with the fact that obviously people will say that it's involved. We need the funds to make sure uh, that we can compete. But sometimes the teams that even have got funds are limited by uh, a, a system where I, I think there's only over one country in the world where in America where they have a sort of a stringent salary cap. All their salary cap is, is, is enough to, to help them make them, you know, to, to make them what they are. So for me, like I said to you, that should have went, you know, nine years ago. Yep. Just let the teams be the teams. You know, if exactly the same if we're living on the same street and somebody's driving a Porsche and somebody's driving, I don't know, a Volvo, the, the person who's driving a Porsche has got no right to go to the person who's driving to a Volvo you have to drive a Porsche, and nor vice versa. I've got no right if I've got a Volvo to go to somebody else and say, you have to drive a Volvo like me. Just let the teams be the teams. Our, our game is very, very different. I understand the salary cap for other sports because this is the main competition for those sports I mentioned, but not for our sport because we've got 216 other nations to compete with, yep. and that comes down to you know the Champions League in Asia, which could lead onto, which is going to be played right now, the World Club Championship. And remember when Western Sydney Wanderers went to the World Club Championship. It's a, it's a fantastic thing for Australian football. It is. Yeah, it's been disappointing, our results, but you, you, you put some good context around it. Before I let you go, I could never see you driving a Volvo, Boz. <laughs> I don't matter. I didn't mean that disrespectfully. You know what my point is? My point is <laughs> I know your point. You know, my point is, you know, like, just let teams be teams. You yep. know, you've got big teams in there who are continually, you know, that's why you get sometimes such a variety of results. So, in my opinion, the key to the A-League working like it used to is that the big clubs the most supported clubs always do very well. Yeah. You've got six teams that are going to qualify for the top five, any, uh, for the for the top six anyway at the end of the season. That's your biggest equaliser. So you can finish 20 or 30 points behind the team that comes first, but you can still have a chance to That's win right. the championship through the grand final. So just let the teams be the teams. When the teams like the Wanderers, Melbourne Victory, Sydney FC, and to a lesser extent perhaps Melbourne City, when they're doing well and they're well supported, the whole league benefits. Mm. It's, it's quite simple, and they've been told that before time and time again. So, like I said, it shouldn't be a race to the bottom. It should be a race to the top. Yeah, I can sense your frustration uh, there, Boz, and it's a, it's a really good point that you make. Hey, we can't wait for the Champions League draw on Monday. Second stage, of course, gets underway in, I think, February next year. As always, Boz, thanks for your time, and uh, rest up this afternoon. Thanks, Jules. And if I don't speak to you beforehand, to you and all your friends and all the listeners, have a Merry Christmas, a safe one, and a Happy New Year. You too, Mark Bozich. What a legend. Stan Sports Football was great coverage this morning. Uh, As he mentioned, they'll do it all again in February next year for the knockout stage of the Champions League. This is mornings for Hyundai. The Hyundai 2023 SUV event is on now and also Host Plus.